0: Today on the podcast, we have Trent Dilfer. We're going to start with Cincinnati, which is everybody's favorite team on a Monday after their big win against Baltimore, Kansas City. We still can't figure it out as it gets worse every single week. We'll talk about some of the other quarterbacks and one name that Trent wants you to learn for next year's NFL draft. It's the Ryan Russillo podcast presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA final starts now, and FanDuel is the best place to get in on the action right now. You can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back and better than ever 18-plus in D.C., and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode of the Ryan Russilla Podcast is brought to you by McDonald's. McDonald's french fries changed my life. They taught me to want. They taught me the taste of anticipation. There's no wrong way to eat a french fry from McDonald's unless you're eating my french fries. Get your favorite McDonald's fries today. We're going to get to Dilfer pretty quickly here um, as we start today's podcast. Um, but there are a couple things that I want to touch on. And that is everywhere you turn right now, the Cincinnati Bengals are the headliner. They're the headliner on Monday Morning Quarterback. They're the headliner on some of the athletic stuff that I check out all the time. And that's because I think they're good. Um, look, they're this. this is probably a little bit you know, halfway through the season, maybe it doesn't really mean that much, But since is right now the number one seed in the AFC. And if you go through the AFC the way the playoff would go at to this point, um what I've learned at both conferences here, like that first that first tier of teams has totally separated itself. I mean, look at the NFC, for example. All right, Arizona we still know is undefeated. Tampa rolls, Green Bay, no issues, six straight. Cowboys are good. The Rams are good. That's five teams with only one loss or undefeated Arizona. On the other side of all the AFC teams that we've gone through here, and it, this isn't that different in that it's unpredictable how we cycle through these uh, week to week. But you know, for a bit there, it's the Bills. Hey, it's the defense, and it's Josh Allen. Okay, that's fine. And then it's Baltimore because of what they do to the Chargers. And I'm not going to now say, all right, well that means Cincinnati is better than. But I think I, my point is, I think all these teams are pretty good. I'm a little surprised to see Vegas as the two seed. It even Tennessee, who puts it on Kansas City yesterday at five and two, like, t- Tennessee last year, you know, what the deal was, we knew what they could do offensively, but we hated their defense. Their defense isn't that much better. It's still 24th in opponent's yard per play, but that's a team that's figured some things out here after starting the season with a loss to Arizona that we didn't really quite understand what that meant. So their losses are Arizona and then the Jets loss, which is weird and to make a ton of sense. Um, but Tennessee sitting there five and two, like it's just the top of both conferences seems to be very crowded with teams that we could cycle through every week saying, hey, I can make an argument for this team being the best in their conference. And I think that's kind of the lesson of all of this. I'm not now pivoting away from, hey, I don't think the Bills are any good because they have a second loss. I don't think the Ravens are any good because they have a loss like this. I just think all of these teams are interchangeable and. On top of Kansas City being a disaster, uh, which I'm gonna get to here in a second, that just gives you it just gives you like it's it basically kind of that that MVP thing that we have. We say, hey, it's this team or this player, and it's not even close. Um, it is very close, is the point. It is very, very close at the top of both conferences. And from here on out, the rest of the way, we're probably just gonna see all these different teams kind of own the headlines for a week. Cincinnati deserves it though. Um, they lost to the Ravens five straight. Um, they have not had a top 10 defense for the longest time. They're fifth in total defense right now. Um, Jamar Chase is a matchup problem. They did a really good job in free agency. So there's just a lot to like with this football team. Okay, let's get to the Chiefs. It's 27-3, lost to Tennessee. Uh, before this weekend, we could at least say with the Chiefs, well, you know what, They're actually their offense is still pretty good. Like, Look at some of the stuff they did. Look what they did at Washington last week. Um... They're going to have to figure out their defense. Maybe it's going to be a problem, but they're still going to have this offense at some point. Well, as of now, they're not even in the playoffs. And they are basically shut out the entire game by a Tennessee team. That Yeah, I'm telling you, I like them, but that defense isn't any good. It's not any good statistically. It's better than maybe what it was because their secondary was just off the charts bad last season. But Kansas City um, can't score. Mahomes gets destroyed on the last play that he was in the game. He went into the concussion protocol. He said he passed, so he'll he'll be back. Um, Chris Jones got hurt again. Um, another one of their guys got hurt. Uh, they they had a bunch of injuries, but there's a stat now on them that argues basically the Chiefs, and this is from Mike Sandoz's athletic piece that he starts every Monday with, the Chiefs are a minus 9.2 on expected points allowed. So that means they're already at like a nine-point deficit um, statistically when they when they start a game because of how historically bad this defense is. And he goes back and looks through it. They're the second worst defense since 19, or 2015 when the New Orleans Saints were just a, a little bit worse than this one. So that's what you're talking about. You're almost down double digits to start the game because that's what your defense is projected to do, or in this case, not do. Um, like I said, when the offense was still putting up some stats and you thought, okay, this is fine, we're going to ask Dilfer about all this stuff too. But I could at least go back to that. But that was so bad. I don't really know what else to say. It'd be be like for me, it'd be as if Steph Curry after a few years in the league just couldn't hit jumpers anymore. And you just go, wait, wait, is this this all fake? Like, has this been a mirage? Did did they figure him out? Because there still is a little of that stuff. And look, I thought it was a joke last week. I said, hey, I'll buy all the chief stock in the world. I don't feel that way now. I don't. And I thought for sure, I was like, yeah, they'll probably still end up getting 10 wins and then we'll figure this thing out and see what happens. Um, I don't feel that way now. I don't. I, I think it's getting uglier and uglier. I don't think that Mahomes has been figured out. You know, I know this isn't the greatest example, but I remember when Mangini used to be in studio, we would talk about, like, what do you do when you have no quarterback? And he's like, you know, it sucks because you're starting week one going, we don't really have any chance, do we? <laughs> and everybody in the building knows it. But we were always hoping to do. And he's like, that's why I'm Matt Castle. That's why, um, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick, that's why some of these guys float around as much as they do, because you're like, at least this person has done it before. Um, I'm not comparing Patrick Mahomes to Matt Castle and Ryan Fitzpatrick, but what I'm saying is it just seems impossible that somebody who played the game with such ease and was probably the quickest I've ever allowed myself to say, hey, he's probably going to be the best to ever play the position when it's all said and done. Resume-wise, it's going to be nearly impossible to catch Brady. But from a talent standpoint, um, it's that special. And now it's a mess. It's a mess. And I can't believe what I was watching for three hours against Tennessee. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. La Quinta by Wyndham has everything you need for your next business trip. From free high speed Wi Fi to fitness centers to free bright side breakfast with fresh waffles, eggs, and more, book direct at lq.com. Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow, you shine. This episode is brought to you by Hulu Plus Live TV. Looking for a better way to watch live TV? Stream your favorite sports and shows on over 95 live channels with Hulu Plus Live TV. Get access to Hulu's entire streaming library, Disney Plus, and ESPN Plus, all in one plan. Start your free trial of hulu plus live tv today live tv plan required restrictions apply access content from each service separately learn more at hulu.com okay weekly visit here with trent Dilfer. uh the headline everywhere trent for the nfl is is joe burrow in the show and what he and jamar chase did to the ravens what they did defensively as well um Look, I, I just think Cincinnati's
1: good. It was it was before this week I thought that they were good. What are you seeing from them now? See, I didn't. That's really interesting. I'm not saying I thought they were bad. I just, I guess I was like everybody else. They were an afterthought. You know, yeah. it was like, oh, okay, they're they're going to make some strides. They're going to be okay. Um, and then I watched that game yesterday, and they got the right stuff, man. I think it starts with the quarterback. Uh, he is, his intangible talent, it even exceeds his physical talent. Like he just has it. That's what most people know it as. He's got the it factor. Uh, his teammates, his coaches, the community love him. He's a tough guy. He's got dude qualities as we've talked about. Uh, and then he's got it from a playing standpoint. Like he he's not super flashy. He can do some cool athletic stuff as we know. Um, but he does all the little things, the boring things, the things you don't really think that much about until you see him pay off uh he does that in spades he, he just he plays the position at a very high level considering he hasn't played it a lot right he what what week did he get hurt in last year six something like that so is that am i right there yeah i thought there were two and seven or something
0: like that okay maybe. so he, yeah. he
1: played eight nine games he's played six this year like that's not a lot of football in the nfl and uh he's playing it like he's played it for seven, eight, nine years, reminds me a lot of Russell, different type of play, right? Obviously, very different quarterbacks, but Russell from an early age, early starting, you're like, oh my gosh, he plays this with nuance. He plays this artistically, as Steve Young would say, and uh, he's going to be really good. And I think Burrow's going to be a guy we're going to be talking about for years, and I think they feed off that. I think there's a lot of confidence within the organization because of that. Jamar Chase, obviously, he's a fantastic talent. I don't think this should surprise anybody. I mean, you watch LSU as close as anybody, right? I mean, those dudes they had two years ago at LSU as good receivers you'll ever see in college football. They were pro-ready while they were playing in college. Uh, again, a guy that play it's not just run fast, catch the ball, run after catch. It's the little things. He's a really good route runner. He has great run after catch ability. Uh, he understands space and timing. That's one thing that pops out about those two. And it gets talked about pre-draft. Hey, we're going to draft your college receiver and they're going to have great rapport. Yeah, that's that's a factual statement. What is that rapport? Uh, it's kind of like thinking each other's thoughts and seeing the, seeing the field the same way. It's when I'm ready for you to make your break, you're making it because you know I'm ready to make your break. Uh, you see those little things pop up, especially those those crossing routes they ran yesterday that they busted out for big gains. You know, those aren't big gains if they're not executed this, with the right timing. Um, and then defensively, uh, or just, I would say, physicality, they're way more physical than I thought they'd be, both defensively and offensively. So I did not think they were very good until yesterday. Now I think they're very good, and I, I think those are some of the reasons why. Okay, well, yeah, that that's a lot there, because the chase part
0: of it, you know, some people like Jefferson better because he was this crisp, like, technician route runner, right? Um, but physically, you know, Jamar was somebody that was going to, I always liked that he was going to hit you back a little as a receiver mm-hmm. and we don't we don't always get to see that and you know the the off season was kind of weird cuz you didn't know what to expect with Burrow like I was reading Sando stuff and Sando was saying that there was another executive that thought his leg looked atrophied and it's like well okay maybe it just is cuz he hasn't worked out and mm-hmm. then you've got Jamar saying he can't catch footballs um, which was, I don't know what to believe on that one because I've seen it played out both ways. That it was a weird thing for him to say, but it was also him actually being specific, saying this football's different and it's harder for me to see right now. That's it. I'm just making that point. Like, I didn't think all of a sudden this guy couldn't make plays. So now to see him, like, I just, what does a guy like that do for you as a quarterback? When you have like a no doubt wins every 50-50 ball, like I'm not calling him DeAndre Hopkins, but knowing you can throw to Hopkins and he solves your problems like what is that like for you as a quarterback who is that guy for you
1: well i didn't have it in the pros uh, i had it in college five of my receivers in college played in the nfl charlie jones played for a long time titus winens malcolm sebron played for five six seven years um and i'll just go back I and mean, that's a hundred years ago but it was a it was so awesome because you didn't have to be perfect right it, it's so much of why quarterbacks struggle at times is because they think they have to be perfect and nobody does anything. Well, when you think you have to be perfect, you prepare to be perfect and then you just want to let it rip. When you have dudes that make you right, um, you you're more decisive. You've heard me say that a lot. You know, you want quarterbacks to be really decisive in their decisions and uh, when they release the ball. And, And when you have that guy, you just, you play with no fear, you're more decisive. You play faster. You're not waiting for things to happen perfectly you take pressure off yourself. I never had it in the NFL. I, I, the best receivers I had in the NFL, I mean, Shannon Sharp was the best, and he was a tight end in his 13th year because uh, he understood all the nuance of it. And Tony O'Brien was very gifted. And when I played with him in Cleveland, we were just starting to get some rapport. Uh, he was the first guy I felt like could win those, those balls that you weren't perfect on. Uh, but there was some temperamental stuff around that too. Played with him in San Francisco, same type of thing. Like you could see the talent, you could see the ability to make plays on Sundays, but it was all, could you trust him to always be in the right spot? Uh, Daryl Jackson, in it, more of an underneath guy in Seattle, was a guy that, and Bobby Ingram, you know, those are two more ball control guys that over time you, you felt like they're going to make you right underneath. But to have a guy that can make you right underneath, make you right in the vertical game, Uh, You can trust a lot of the NFL games become we have all these zone beater plays because you have to create all these uh, interesting ways of beating combo zones and fire zones. And then a team plays you man. And really when they play you man, it's pick a guy, let it fly. And you better have that guy. And I think that's that's the combo everybody's looking for is the craftsman against zone. You can trust him to do all the little things well. And then against man... He's a matchup nightmare, no matter who you have on the other side. And that's where you see Hopkins, OBJ, when he was healthy and rolling. Um, you know, the best of the best are the guys that uh, it doesn't matter who's covering them. It doesn't matter what the man technique is. Really, you're looking at a, at a handful of routes, right? You're going to run go balls. You're going to run back shoulders. You're going to run slants. And you're going to run some type of whip concept. I mean, that's really all teams do against man. And you got to be able to win those, and that's what Jamar is going to be able to allow Burrow to have that comfort when a team tries to play man and be aggressive. He knows who he's going to to with the ball.
0: You mentioned uh, Russell Wilson in there quickly. Uh, We know he's hurt, but have you ever simulated a two-minute drill on the field before a game kicked
1: off? You know, Drew Brees really started all that, right? It was – Peyton Manning really started the pregame – it was dorky to do that stuff. Okay, so let me give you, you like this stuff. <laughs> so I, I came in I came in when you're Marinos and Elways and Aikmans and Moons and Kellys and Favre. And, you know, that was the group. I mean, Boomer Esiason was still playing. Uh, it was you as a young quarterback did whatever they did. And it almost felt like those dudes rolled out, just had a shot of Jack and smoked a cigarette. That's what, that's what pregame felt like. You know, they're just kind of lollygagging around. Merino, you know, sometimes they'd have their pads on, sometimes they wouldn't, toss it around a little bit, throw a couple routes, go back in, probably smoke another cigarette, come back out with your stuff on and get your blood flowing and go. So that's what we all did, right? We all kind of came out more nonchalantly, used pregame as just kind of a get your mind right, get your body right thing. Well, then Peyton rolls up, and he's doing this 100-and-something catalog pregame throw, going through drops, has his whole army out there, coaches throwing them balls. And, and honestly, we, we kind of giggled at first. What's this guy doing? Well, you know, seven Pro Bowls later, you're not giggling, right? You're like, well, maybe there's something to that. So a lot of us late in our careers started doing more purposeful stuff in pregame, playing the game before the game. But then Drew took it to a whole other level. Drew was the first guy I remember coming out doing kind of the Peyton Manning script, but like air playing out a drive, uh, going through, you know, a drop. Here's this guy. I'm going to duck underneath that. Maya's got to go to there. I got a slide step. I got a side sidearm it to the check down and really doing those air reps as if it were a drive. I think Russell's taken. Now everybody's doing some version of it and they should be. It's, it's proven, you know, these human performance coaches, that deal with the psychology of competition, uh, visualization, air reps, all these different things matter. I mean, they increase performance. So I I think now you're just seeing the next iteration of it. You know, here's a guy that's on IR, uh, and he's out there getting real reps because that's what the human performance guys will tell you that those are real reps. If they're reps in your brain, they're real reps. So, I applaud these guys for doing. Again, there's so many things I wish I would have done differently. We could sit down forever. We could do a week series on the things I would change. That would be one of them. Is that I would have taken that approach um, much more serious as I do as a coach now. Like I'll call an entire game on Friday afternoon in my office, sitting just like this on this chair with my feet, just like they are with my script, eyes closed, visualizing defense, visualizing situations, visualizing a guy going down chaos on the sideline, whatever it is, I wish I would have done that I was a player. I would have been a heck of a, a much better player than I was. No kidding.
0: So you guys, your generation was just, that wasn't cool.
1: No. Like and it, yeah. It's not just, it wasn't cool. It, nobody did it. Right. And yeah. all you're doing as a young player is trying to mimicking the guys you grow up idolizing. Right. So it's like, I remember I tried to change my release one year cause I practiced Dan Marino for three uh, days straight in Miami tried to drop the ball down lower and all these different things. It jacked me up for a year, Um, but I, you know, I didn't, you didn't have a lot of resources except looking at the guys that did it. And our guy, that generation, didn't treat pregame with the same level of intensity or purpose, purposefulness as this generation does. Was Marino kind of nasty? He was great as to a- me. He was great to me, but yes, he was nasty. I'll never forget. <laughs> We're in Miami, uh, practicing at their uh, facility. This is probably 97, 98. And, uh, you know, this is just right when we're starting to get good, right? That Tampa defense is just starting to get good, really good. And he's having a horrible practice. I mean, we're owning them in seven on seven team drills, we're just getting after the Dolphins. And he just gets after, he starts with the coaches. And then he goes to the receivers and then he goes to the offensive line. And it's just he went person by person in front of all of us and just ripped them new ones. Um, And I'm sitting there in my third, fourth year, whatever it was, again, thinking that's the way to do it. Now, you forget you got to have context there. He has equity built up, right? He's Dan Flippin' Marino. He can say whatever he wants to whoever he wants. Um, but it was definitely, definitely a different way of looking at leadership. Like he did it very confrontationally and, and was on route with how he did it It worked for him. I wouldn't suggest it for many other people.
0: Yeah, that sounds about right. Uh, all right. This, like, this could have been the headline of everything. And I know we've already talked about it before, but. You know, before when the Chiefs were losing, it was because the defense, and yet statistically, you could still point to the offense and say, "Okay, Mahomes is making some bad mistakes." I don't know what the hell we just watched yesterday.
1: Yeah. Um, go for it. It's been trending this way, and it's this is where my coach hat will come on, but also I put my ESPN hat on here where I would study football, like study trends, study teams, because you know you had ninety seconds to talk about twenty minutes of information. Um, football, offensive football has grown a lot. One thing hasn't changed. You have to have a physical presence offensively. And I'll, I'll explain it the easiest way. The defense has to be threatened from the inside out. When they're threatened from the inside out, they have to compact, right? They have to come in. Not every defense corner will tell you, every defensive player will tell you they hate being gutted inside. So if you can threaten them inside, this doesn't, it doesn't always have to be boring stuff, right? It doesn't always have to be two back ISO, six offensive linemen. But you gotta make them come in, right? You gotta make them protect their house, which is the inside. Once you've done that, now all the stuff the Chiefs do, do is obviously the best. It's incredible. Uh, people steal it. It was like Mike Martz of the Rams. They were so awesome. Everybody stole their stuff. But that stuff doesn't work if the defense now is an umbrella. If they're outside in. If they're not worried about the inside then they then they play you from the outside and just kind of condense everything. What happens to an offense when you become that is you become frenetic. And you get away, and here's the key to all this. Most people probably roll in their eyes like, ah, what does that mean to me? I'm playing fantasy football. Here's why it matters. Because what, same thing makes you laugh, makes you cry. So all those giggling moments when Mahomes magical, Tyreek Hill catches a little ball and goes for 40. Travis Kelsey has 13 catches. They throw a ball, a guy I've never heard of, number 17, he goes for 70. All the cool stuff they've done that made you giggle. Well, now they're trying to do the same stuff. It's making you cry because now it's done frenetically because there's no threatening to the defense inside out. So what the defense says, conceptually, is great. Let them do all this stuff. We're just flood those areas with a bunch of people. And we're going to get beat sometimes. He's probably still going to have 25 completions. But in the course of a 60-play game, we're going to hit him more times than we would have hit him otherwise. He's going to try to, he's going to get bored doing that stuff and look for something better. Uh, and we're going to get them out of their comfort zone. And when they're out of their comfort zone, more chaos will happen and we'll be able to turn them over. And that's what's happened. It's Tony Dungy's philosophy forever. Uh, that Tampa two defense, it's just done a bunch of different ways now. Uh, people call it Ben, but don't break, but it's even more than that. It's like, I'm not even worried about the inside. So I'm just going to, I'm just going to be an accordion on you and crush you from the outside in and eventually over time you're going to get your yards but you're not going to get your points and, and as I, was, I mean I'm sorry way too long of an answer there's no physicality there's no threatening of the defense inside there's no boring inside handoffs that go for six then he repeats the play and it goes for four and then they run another inside play and it goes for eight and then all of a sudden the defense is reacting and you're getting a different call now they're in here well guess what when they're in here guess who's really open out there all those talented players. So, I I think it's partly Andy Reid's fault. I think he's gotten too spread happy. Uh, I think it's Mahomes' fault for not just taking the cheese more often. Uh, I think they retooled their offensive line. I don't think it's it's not worked well from a physicality standpoint, uh, and it's causing them a lot of problems. And then you compound that with the defense being you know mediocre. Um, they're not playing as physical, uh, and. You know, it snowballs on you. Can you get it back? Absolutely. And I and I think they will, but that's a for answer that I could have taken 30 seconds to say instead I took eight minutes. Um, but there's it's it's a conceptual thing. It's how you look at football. Yeah, but that makes sense. I guess the the hard part
0: would be, okay, what's what's gonna take them so long? Like because you you had brought this up before, and you're right that it was kind of trending this way, and then to see it just be a disaster for three hours where, you know, the Chiefs are getting shut out and you're going, okay, well, now
1: now what? Like, now how can you let it get to this point? Think of it this way. I, I Just this came to my head. Um, I can see the fans saying, why don't they just throw that little eight-yard route? My wife says this stuff. Why aren't they just throwing the ball to Tyreek Hill? Why don't they just throw Kelsey that little out route? You know what? And I go, because, sweetie, you can't do that every time. Because now the defense isn't threatened to play from the ball all the way to the sideline to the back of the end zone. Like, that's really what you want a defense to feel. You want them to feel that they have to defend from the center of the ball, to both sidelines, to the back of the end zone, wherever they're at. They feel like, you want them to feel like they have to have all that accounted for. And if you just keep doing the easy stuff, the stuff that the fan and many coaches thinks is just easy, it's low-hanging fruit. Well, then you're really not making the defense do that stuff, right? They're not having to defend the middle of the ball, the inside of the de- the inside of the offense inside of the defense. So you got to be willing. Some coaches call them purpose plays. Some call them identity plays. Whatever you want to call them, you got to be willing to do really boring, monotonous things. And I think Stefanski does as good a job. I think the Kubiak tree, the Shanahan tree, does the best job of this. They are always going to make sure that you have to defend inside out. And they will run purposeful plays from the start of the game to set up other plays. What the Chiefs are doing is they're like, oh, these are the 30 awesome things we can do this week. Let's just start from the first play of the game and be full throttle to the end. Well, I think teams are starting to catch up on that and they're not spending practice time defending the boring stuff.
0: Yeah. Um I'm, I'm not going to counter any of that stuff. Uh, I know we've talked to you about Tua a lot, and it's felt like statistically he's been better the last couple weeks with the caveat of like, you know, it, it always feels like somebody's got a couple bad throws a game. Um, he seems to have a couple disastrous ones. And then the rumor that Miami was going to move on from him. Is
1: he somebody you would be moving on from at this point? I wouldn't, I don't know if I'm the best guy to ask this, though I'm probably more bullish on Tua than anybody. Yeah. Um. So I would totally understand if you're a skeptic and you're like, well, he's obviously going to say good things. I'll say this objectively as I can. He is uniquely gifted anticipation, accuracy, timing. He's a better athlete than people give him credit for. And he looks like he's a hundred percent healthy, extended some big plays yesterday. Uh, he is, I think he's incredibly talented. I think he's even his intangible stuff is even better than his physical stuff. That's why I've always been so bullish on him. Think about the smoke that's surrounding him right now. Uh, and yet, he, I mean, you think about what his, what his Wednesday and Thursday press conferences are like, and then his Sunday post-game and what he's having to hear in the locker room, and he probably can't open his phone without hearing something about him being traded. He's going through all this, and yet he had arguably his best day yesterday. I did not see the second interception. I was at a volleyball game getting back to my iPad, missed it. So I haven't seen the second interception. But I saw a lot of it, and it was high, high, high high-level quarterback. He hasn't played a lot, right? I I think the more he plays, the better it's going to get. I really like Charlie Fry, the guy calling the plays for him. I think he's done a great job. They're they're more explosive offensively. They're doing a better job. He wins that game yesterday. In kind of heroic fashion, but the defense can't stop a Pitts fade for Matt Ryan to put him in a field goal range. It's a different narrative if they win that game. So there's a lot of things going against them, and I still see his grit and determination and talent, both physically and intangibly, coming out. Uh, I think he's definitely somebody you can build around. I, I did a Houston radio show this morning with Sean Salisbury, and I said, you know, I would be. They should throw a parade if they get Tua in this trade, and they get a lot for Deshaun because he's a guy for for franchises downtrodden as that. He's a guy that you can build around, and and he'll have he'll be a great for the culture, and you'll be able to bring players in, and they'll gravitate towards Tua. They're not going to be any good for a while, but if you're rebuilding, this is a guy you can build around. That was a, it was an interesting game for Golf, you
0: know, coming in with everything that's gone on and the numbers that tell you, you know, he can't win without McVay. Um, and we all know why McVay went to went to Stafford. But I, I almost feel like with Goff now, there's almost some sympathy for this, especially for a, a Detroit team that seems to fight and seems to want to play for Dan Campbell and all this kind of stuff and how emotional he's been after a couple of these uh, these tough losses. Is there is there enough there with Goff where you think, okay, Detroit actually does
1: have a guy. It's
0: it's about the rest of the roster.
1: Yeah, and I think this is a tough one. Um I like Jared. I, I like him a lot. I don't I think he's very limited in some things that keep getting him in trouble. So yes, I think you have to build really round, well around him. Um now, full transparency, I did not see the second half of that game. I watched every snap the first half and didn't want did not see the second half. And that's where the two interceptions came, correct? Mm-hmm. Um, so I did not see him. The last uh, one was debatable. I mean okay. it was it was tipped and it
0: it may have even been on the ground, but they weren't gonna change the call. So
1: Yeah. I think Jared has to play a very specific type of football. And they they played it that way in, in St. Lu- I'm sorry, St. Louis in uh LA with them, uh where he's a, he's a run run action or spread him out. Pass guy. He, you don't have a ton of versatility with what you can do offensively. And a lot of these guys, McVeigh being the top of this list want to be uber creative with what they're doing with their quarterback. And then, and changing the launch point is a huge deal in the NFL. I mean, it's a huge deal. Uh, you cannot any longer sit back and, and throw the bulk of your passes from one spot. Uh, it's hard to do that with Jared, so I think that is something that frustrates coaches um, because they want more. I would pose this question: Who's better? Right? What do you? What's your backup plan? Because Jared Goff is still better than anybody coming out this year, except maybe one guy. Um, he's 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 um, seasoned. He's been to a Super Bowl. Like, he's been through tough situations. He handles the media well. He's a pro. He handles the locker room well. Like, he does a lot of the stuff that's part of this job and all of a sudden, all of a sudden jump off and say, well, we, we need to get rid of him. Great. There's probably an argument for that, but who? And I always ask this question and people get stumped because it's like, oh, that's, that's, that's right. Like, I don't know who else is better. So I think that's where Detroit's in. I think they got to fix their team. Before they can properly evaluate whether they move on from Jared Goff or not, uh,
0: the Bears game was ugly. Uh, part, partly because Tampa is rolling right now, and, and Tom didn't even have all of his guys. Gronk was out. Antonio Brown was out.
1: Um, I think oh, real were- quick, because I thought about this yesterday. Think about what you just said. I didn't have all those guys. Talk about two of the best skill position players in the NFL. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. that's that's what we're talking about. Like yeah. some guys, yeah, they they're missing. I'll just use our Kyle Rudolph, really good player, good tight end for years, but it's not Gronk. Like you're you're losing Gronk. Oh, okay, they're missing so and so receiver number two. No, this is Antonio Brown. When his head's right, he's arguably one of the top five skill position players in the NFL, and it's just amazing how they can just lose those two guys and look like an absolute machine offensively. It, it's, it's, it's scary how good they can be.
0: Yeah, 38 points against the Bears. And on the other side, um, we're left with a, a Monday of, of wanting to talk about Justin Fields, um, if you're out of the Chicago side of this. He, what, 22, 22 of 32, 184,
1: zero touchdowns, three picks. What was the worst? Two fumbles, too. Yeah. Two fumbles. I think it had five turnovers. You know, five turnovers, I thought the worst. First was the one, his, the one fumble was really bad that he was kind of trying to climb up. He was careless with the ball. Um, the interception where he's trying to like fall right, roll right, sees a guy late, air mills, it goes to the corner. It, it looked like the game was fast on him. Um, and I lived it. So I know I, can, I put myself in his shoes and you just don't see the pictures clearly, you're guessing. Um, What's that it's, like? It's awful. I still I still wake up in cold sweats. Uh, no, I mean, I've dedicated my life after football to letting kids not ever go through it. I mean, literally, that's why I've done everything I've done after football is so nobody would have to live through what I went through. Uh, you've never heard me tell a quarterback, do it like I did it. I usually tell him, hey, here's, here's a lesson I learned doing it the hard way. Learn from my mistake. Go make the mistake you, uh, yourself. Uh, it's awful. It's um, because you remember you're an alpha, you're the best, you know, you've been the best at what you've done your whole life. Um, You're a supreme athlete. Uh, You've never had to go through this because life's kind of been easy, right? All of us, we've had hard things, but for the most part, football hasn't been hard until this point. And all of a sudden it's more than hard. It's like everything you've ever believed is now upside down. And it's it's really a lonely spot, and you need help. And that's why I'm really hard on coaches in these moments. Um, your coach needs to help you. I, I always say this. If you're doing everything Monday through Saturday the right way as a young quarterback, it's on your coach to not ever allow that to happen to you on Sundays. Now, if you're a punk, and Ryan Leaf was on my pod, and he admitted he was a punk, so he would shake his head yes if he hears me say this. If you're Ryan Leaf and you're not doing the things Monday through Saturday and now you're sucking on Sunday, that's on. That's 100% on you. But if you're a pro, you're studying film, you're getting extra reps, you're asking questions about protections, you're constantly engaged with your teammates. How can we be more successful this week? You're doing everything you can. And you're sucking on Sunday? I think a lot of that goes on your coach putting you in a bad position. You haven't worked on the things in during the week from a football standpoint um, that will help you be successful. You haven't given them answers to the test before the test. Uh, I think most young quarterbacks are successful. If you ask them what's the biggest reason, they're going to point directly to the person calling the plays and coaching during the week and say, well, I have a lot of these answers before the game starts. And I'm just kind of doing what coach told me to do. Mac, uh, Mac in New England, Again, I think he's playing at an incredibly high level, and I think Josh McDaniels is one of the greatest offensive coaches of our generation, and he has all the answers to the test before the test starts, and that's why he's playing decisively. I don't see that in Chicago and Justin Fields.
0: Wow, so you're that high in McDaniels. I I don't know that I've heard you say that definitively. You think he's one of the best guys going on offense?
1: Yeah, I'm not like, why? I I think he's in the Shanahan, McVay, all these rock star guys. Uh, because he gives you the answers. He can play offense a bunch of different ways. Look what he did when he had Tebow. Like, look what he... Uh, hes learned. I'm obviously around Tom for that long. You're going to learn... You're going to get a lot of tricks of the trade. He's been mentored by the greatest coach of all time. And Bill, uh, I think he can just play a lot of different ways. I don't think he's forced into a system, right? I've always said this. They don't have a system. Um, they put together a game plan that puts their players in a position position to succeed and exposes your weaknesses. I've seen him play with four tight ends. Seen him play with three tight ends and two backs. I've seen him play with five wide receivers. I've seen him run RPOs before RPOs were a thing. I've seen him, he's as good a trick play guy as there is. And they're purposeful. They're not just to be fun. They're purposeful. Uh, They're really good in the run game. They're great. They're great in their protection schemes. You know, that's the Skarnecchia influence. Uh, Their short yardage run game, goal line run game for the last 20 years has been the best in the league. Nobody runs the ball better in the tight red than them. Um, like they just, he just gets the whole picture. And you have so many offense coordinators growing up these days that see, they're really good at what they know, but they don't know enough. And they're, uh, they're system guys. They believe it's system, system, system. I think Josh and his offensive coaches believe in football IQ, teach enough football, be a great teacher, um, and put your players in a position to succeed, whatever the best way to do that is this week. Everybody's watching them play in 21 personnel this year. tight end, two backs, two wide receivers. Oh, Matt, they're doing this to protect Mac Jones. Don't be surprised if next year they're in spread. You know what I mean? And they're running as flashy as stuff as New England's doing, or in two years. They're going to do whatever their personnel dictates. If they end up changing and investing more in offensive players because they believe they have the quarterback, don't be surprised if you see a uber-explosive offense in the next couple of years from New England if, if you see them starting to devote their resources there. And New England's pretty easy to figure out on how they're going to play each year based on how they're uh, investing their resources uh, in the offseason. When they're going heavy on defense and drafting defense, you're going to see a conservative offense with an aggressive defense. If you see them going to free agency or you see them start drafting on the offensive side of the ball, they're going to do the opposite. They're going to grow that offense and they're going to become more explosive. So they're playing to win the game. That's the difference of the Patriots and everybody else. A lot of these guys are playing to be really good on one side of the ball. The other, the Patriots, every single week are putting the best plan together to try to win the game.
0: Okay, final thought here. Um, you got a name for us regarding the draft because we were already starting to hear, like, okay, you know, depending on who needs quarterbacks, it's usually like five or six teams every offseason. Yep. This may not be the draft for them, but you have a name that have has not been brought up because I have not yeah. heard. I know who he is, I just haven't heard his name brought up a lot.
1: Yeah, keep on the lookout for Brendan Armstrong um, from Virginia. Uh, he is a much better athlete than people give him credit for. So when he goes to the pre-draft process, he will test very well. He's got thick joints, which a lot of these guys are looking for. Every time I say that, people roll their eyes, but it's a big deal. You're looking for guys that are thick-jointed because it usually equates to long-term health. Uh, And you can put more weight, more horsepower on a kid with thick joints. Uh, Throw catalog out the yin-yang. So when I say throw catalog, you watch college kids, and one of the biggest arguments usually is, well, they just haven't made a lot of different types of throws. Can they learn them? Absolutely. But how long is it going to take to learn them? This kid's made every throw you can imagine. Um, every element of the passing game. They have as much volume as any team, uh, probably next to the Lipscomb Academy Mustangs. Like, they believe in volume. They have a ton of volume. So he's had to learn a lot. He handles a lot with the line of scrimmage. Uh, and Bronco does a really good job of creating a professional environment at his school. So they run that thing like an NFL franchise. So he'll walk in the door and be very comfortable. Uh, I wasn't sure on his overall horsepower. Uh, that was my, and again, I didn't hadn't done a comprehensive study, but my little notes were like, yeah, okay, tempo's the ball more than he rips it. Not sure on overall horsepower. The more you start watching him, you realize that he plays with whatever horsepower is needed. Um, and a la Mahomes. Now I'm not saying he's as talented as Mahomes. Please don't confuse that. But Mahomes, Rogers, I'd put in this, they only play with the appropriate amount of horsepower needed, meaning Mahomes only throws the ball as hard as he needs to throw it, right? Uh, Aaron does the same thing. You see a lot of these guys, Herbert still is learning this. He just rips fire every chance he gets. Like he's maximum output on every play. Armstrong's a guy that he has the level of horsepower needed for whatever play. You need a hard action half roll in the pocket, throw it back 60 yards across the field. I didn't know if he had that. He has it. You need a guy to have his legs tangled up and still get the ball to the boundary. He can do it. But he's going to play the bulk of his game the way he wants to play it. That tells me he understands the craft of playing. So when I see a guy do that, I'm like, oh, wow. He's advanced because he actually knows what's needed for this play.
0: All right. That's... uh. That was good. His numbers. He's, they're, and they're a good team, too, this year. They're, they're kind of under the radar.
1: They're um, one nobody wants to play in the ACC because they know they can gash you.
0: That's Trent Dilfer. You can check him out on his Beyond the X's and O's podcast, Apple Podcast. Trent. And uh, always appreciate the times. Thanks, man. Thanks, brother. See you. This episode of the Ryan Rosilla Podcast is brought to you by McDonald's. McDonald's french fries changed my life. They taught me to want. They taught me the taste of anticipation. There's no wrong way to eat a french fry from McDonald's unless you're eating my french fries. Get your favorite McDonald's fries today. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card.
1: 355 Cabriolet. What's up? I have a ridiculous house in the South Fork. I have every toy you can possibly imagine. And best of all, kids, I am liquid. So, now you know what's possible. Let me tell you what's required.
0: Hey, are we going to, before we get to life advice, guys, are we going to get on the succession train here or what? Uh, I'm already on it. (laughs) Okay.
2: All right. So, what about you, Kyle? Uh I fell asleep watching it last night because uh you know, stopped working at midnight, so um <laughs> and i bill bill and Sal already did their like overview of the episode, so it's I'm all fucked up on succession, but I like it, so we can talk about it whenever <laughs> it's just it's been a strange relationship, all right, yeah because we didn't we didn't do it last
0: week, and we said we were going to do it, so i I would like to do it I'd like to do it on Wednesdays because Kyle's so busy, and then this Wednesday, I want to go abroad because we had the Grand Prix here stateside, uh, people were very excited about it. I didn't realize that McLaren's now considered the most popular team. Did you guys know that? In the world or the States? I was reading some poll. Sorry, sent me. That. Yeah, I know. I I have a hard time believing McLaren's more popular than Ferrari in
2: Europe. Do you think um, that's why they didn't get back to you? Because now all of a sudden they're super popular? <laughs> <laughs> um I, I went back and looked at
0: it, what was supposed to happen if I was going to go to the the Austin Grand Prix. I just like saying Grand Prix. Um, I think they, they somebody had wanted me to do a podcast, and it's not really up to me. You know, I can't just say, yeah, hey, I'm going to come and do a podcast. I mean, in some cases, maybe, but there probably would have been some request for, you know, a show fee or something like that, that, you know, I don't get paid that the company gets paid it. So, um. It didn't work out. It didn't work out. That's all right, though. Maybe Belgium. You never know.
3: You're right, though. McLaren says, uh, what am I looking at? I don't know. But it's 30% of fans naming it their favorite team in the world. Uh, number two was Red Bull at 20%. Number three was Ferrari at 18%. That's a sizable gap. Shout so out that's, a,
0: that's a world poll?
3: Yeah, that's what it says. This is globally. Gosh, that doesn't even seem. F1 but... Global Survey by Motorsport Network.
0: <laughs> okay. Sure. Came out two days ago. <laughs> All right. Well you were used to it? doubt them. <laughs> no. No, because that's what I saw. Somebody sent it to me. It was like, check out McLaren. And I went, All right, okay, I guess I guess this is. Um okay, let's uh pivot into life advice. As I said, I'd probably do some more college football later this week. We're still uh hoping to land a huge guest for that. Um and uh I'm not hundred percent sure how that's gonna work out, but it just wasn't a very good weekend. So um anyway. Going to a Harry Ween concert. It's lifeadvicerr at gmail.com. Our man checking in 65205, strong lower body. Um, He says he's terrible at benching. Um, This isn't a very serious issue. It seems serious to me. I'm going to a Harry Styles concert, Harry Ween, on Halloween with my girlfriend. Long story short, I have to go due to the way we get the tickets, and I don't know what to wear. Apparently, people wear very eccentric clothes to this concert, especially in Halloween. Um, And I'm in a predicament. I can't wear my Halloween costume that I'm wearing the 30th because it's Ted Lasso and that would cause some issues. So you can't wear a Ted Lasso outfit to a Harry Styles concert. Is, am, am I reading that right? Do you guys I, I
3: guess so. Yeah, I, I, I don't know why, but sure.
2: I feel like okay. he's saying that because like maybe there's like he doesn't want to give away his Halloween costume to whoever else is going to be in his party at the concert. I think there might just be something he's not saying, right? Because it's not all adding up.
0: Yeah, I don't. I, because when I read it the first time, I thought, wait, does he mean that Ted Lasso would be offensive to other attendees at a Harry Styles concert? And I'm like, no, that can't be, that can't be what it is. Wait, are British
3: people offended by Ted Lasso? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I I, I didn't, honestly, the first time it dawned on me, I don't know.
0: That, I was trying to figure out the way uh, that, that it could come across that way. So I don't know. So then he's like, do I wear normal cro- clothes at risk of sticking out like a sore thumb? I'm not sure if that'll be an issue uh, because I will stick out like a sore thumb regardless. Or do I wear a basic Halloween costume like being a hippie or a nerd or something? I always think that if you can't decide hippie or nerd are great options. Um I just haven't thought about dressing up in such a long time. I'm really not even a fan of Harry Styles or Halloween, for that matter. sounds like you're going to have a hell of a night, man. Um, (laughs) But I'm trying to be a good boyfriend and need your advice. (laughs) I don't even like music or emails on top of everything else, he says. Uh, (laughs) Let's just do a quick uh, Harry Styles minute. Where are we at with him? Yes.
2: I mean, I love Harry
3: Styles. Love him. Absolutely love him. Uh, watermelon Sugar, great song. His album, his last album is actually sneaky great. I mean, call me whatever names you want, but I am pro Harry Styles. Plus, he was in <laughs> Dunkirk. So, I mean, this guy, he's a he's a Christopher Nolan guy. He's basically perfect in my book.
0: Oh, my God. All I can think of is Smallman now listening to you say this right now and laughing hysterically that you were so excited. There's nothing more predictable than you coming strong yeah. with the Harry Styles. I also
3: the Halloween. It. So, if this guy's looking to give away a ticket, like I'm around. I think it's in New York City, right? So. Not that far, just saying, dude.
0: Is it New York City? Wow, I
2: think so. Yeah, I think it's at MSG. Okay, Kyle. Anything on Harry Styles? I just love that he just, really just makes me feel better <clears throat> about my weird thing I have for John Mayer because he's got an equally weird thing for Harry Styles. So I think this is, I think this dude, is great. Um, also love John Mayer. So
3: no, no shame whatsoever. Saw so him in concert last year.
2: Oh, two nice. Years ago, yeah. The concert still front. good. I, mean, I, I saw him at been, MSG. He was amazing. I haven't been like since
3: 2010. 09. He's still bringing the heat. A little continuum action. Yeah, no, I get you. No, he's great. He covers a lot of stuff too. And he's in like the the what is it, the dead and company stuff. And I'm not a big yeah, yeah. dead guy, but it's just it's cool shit. He's he's a versatile dude. So there's no there's no shame in dudes liking Harry Styles and John Mayer. Especially
0: Agreed. in 2021. Come Agreed. On. Yeah, I don't have an issue with anything you guys said there. Um I, I don't know what Harry Styles' deal is other than. I I have nothing against him. It's just I noticed that he has this kind of dance move that everybody freaks out about and whenever I'm on um Instagram, they'll just be it pops up. Like I think I watched one or two and now I'm fucked. And it's just I had no idea by the way. Did any of us truly understand how much we will watch each other dance? I don't think we I don't think we really put a, a the accurate dollar amount on that one.
3: I'm ashamed just, to admit how much I watch of like TikTok and Instagram reels, like I, I am ashamed to admit how much how bad it is at times. Because you can just get stuck in a loop for like thirty minutes to an hour. Because if you don't have anything to do, you're just all right. Swipe up. What's the next one? It's like the
0: perfect algorithm for boredom. It really is. No, and and I just I'll be like, why am I watching? And it'd be one thing, like okay, beyond the obvious, you're watching this person dance because they're attractive or whatever. But I'll just be like, that's not why you're watching this one. Like, why are you watching this one? And it's something. (laughs) There's some. There's some hypnotic serotonin thing going on where I don't think we truly understood how addicted we would be to watching literally anyone dance to anything because that's all it is. So yeah, Harry Styles has got this one move where he kind of does the shoulders back and the head back and the hands are up and he just, he really sells it hard. And and that's like when he does that on the stage, I notice people go crazy. Uh, So here's the deal. Um, We haven't talked about your email really at all because it's kind of (laughs) funny, but This isn't that complicated, right? Just dress up is something, you know, you already don't want to go. You already don't like Halloween, but you're going and you like, I I guess you're saying you're going to stick out like a sore thumb because, because of what? Because it's going to be all women. I don't know. If your girlfriend wants to go see Harry Styles and wants you to put on an outfit, go for it. I always like the dog, the bounty hunter stuff because you can wear a vest. But nice. Again, I don't know. I don't know if I trust dog, the bounty hunter anymore.
2: That's what this should I'll be, just, though. The advice is what, at are, that. what are the good things that you can do that you wouldn't feel like an idiot or an asshole? Like, that's, no, that's really what it is. That's what it, we should just spend 45 seconds on. Just what you said, Dog the Bounty Hunter. That's yours. Well, that's too much. That's too much.
3: I, I, that's that's a house party thing. That's I don't think you're going to see Harry Styles dressed as Dog the Bounty Hunter. I'm sorry. Someone I think would. the
0: Dog the Bounty Hunter thing has been kind of played out anyway. Uh, you know, people people have done that for years. But yeah, I, I don't trying to think all right give me give me something
3: it's basic but i mean going with the british theme just be somebody from peaky blinders throw on like one of those you know wool kangle hats like a tweed vest and you're good to go and look kind of dangerous
0: you're gonna sweat your ass off Mm. all right
3: let's take the vest off then (laughs) you only gotta wear it for like five minutes take a couple pictures and you're good
0: (laughs) (laughs) um no i kind of like where your head's at though but i i think there's isn't there some I mean, there's nothing more like, man, you really didn't put any time into this um, when it's when it's a uh, baseball player. You know what I mean? Like baseball pants and a baseball shirt. And you're like, what are you you're like a baseball player? And you're like, so you you're also somebody <laughs> who doesn't put a lot of effort into things too, huh? <laughs> so what you just as <laughs> a guy with minimal effort? I like um, Jersey
3: guy, especially if you like, why not go as David Beckham? Do your hair up? throw on a soccer jersey again British theme like I just I feel like I'm feeling full of ideas right now all very simple and then you don't, you wouldn't get too hot either
0: um no that one could probably play a little bit better but we don't know what this guy's hair is like so maybe he would just does a blonde wig he's still got he's still got a bunch of days here though so he can he can make this happen
2: I did Indiana um, Jones two years ago I'm not gonna mm. lie to you guys I was feeling sexy like just <laughs> a real, the word sexy was exactly how I was feeling. That was.
3: Did you have the whip included? Uh, whip? I, you
2: know, actually I went to, I, w- I, I did not care that I was going to do. I was like, all right, anything Halloween that I'm doing this year, I'm going to Indiana Jones. I don't care if I've done it once. I'm not <laughs> figuring out three con, you know. So I got really drunk at this party that Tate brought me to. And I just left a whip in the yard because I just didn't want to hold it anymore. So I did have a whip, but actually I think it worked better without it. Had a nice leather jacket um and the the brown leather jacket really just pulled it all together
0: so you're saying sexy indiana jones
2: feel yeah feel, sexy, well, feel good about you man don't don't feel like uh don't feel like you got to paint your face and be uncomfortable like if you want to feel sexy at this concert you know think about what that means to you dude
0: yeah fair that's a good one that's a good one um lumberjack you know you just wear a hard hat probably can't get into the show with an axe
3: i say anybody Got from it. the YMCA band, right, or from uh, what what is it, the Village People? Yeah, you could do that. It's a popular yeah. one, especially in groups and that feels boys in college. No, I I wouldn't do it, but it's been done. I just know it's a popular one.
0: Okay, I don't think we did a very good job there. I think you guys did. I didn't. So uh, I, you don't
3: strike me as a guy that's dressed up for Halloween in.
0: Although forever. you could be
3: sneaky, I don't know. Maybe no. you do, like Halloween parties.
0: I uh, no, I'm not anti. I just haven't. You know, I haven't done it in forever. And then I didn't want to for the show. Canel loved dressing up Uh, for
3: the show. Yeah, that was too, that was too, uh, you were kind of too cool for school. Like you and Danny were on different pages when it came to that stuff. Danny was down for every gimmick and you didn't want to do any gimmicks. And that's okay. You're different people. What about Woody? Toy Story. That's a popular one. There you go. Everybody was the Joker two years ago. That one's lame as hell. Every NBA, I feel like half of the NBA two years ago was, was the Joker. Like we get it. Carl the eight towns.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's like true. That episode of The Office. It's like, where did they get a load of me? Pick <laughs> like, Damn it Creed. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: There's three guys that did the Joker. Kevin Creed and and uh, Dwight, which was good cuz it was making fun of what you were saying that everybody was doing the Joker. I can't
3: You'd be believe super to topical and be somebody from Dune. Be Paul from
0: Dune. Uh-huh.
3: That saying. would be tough.
2: That would be tough. You just kind of look, you just look dirt because he, he's got like some nice clothes and then he's also got like some, I don't know, I just you shred up some black stuff and just those
0: costumes <laughs> suck. If you have to explain it, like, what are you? Oh, I'm the, I'm one of the other guys from Dune. You're like, so what? It's like, you just have a black jump. I'm a hard dude. Come on. Yeah. No, that's great. Dune is great, by the way. Love you Dune. should go as a scientist. Just wear a lab coat. It's not a bad one. It's easy. Then it sucks. It also isn't isn't that great. Three hole, three hole gym punch. Three hole punch gym. I meant, sorry, whatever. All right, moving on. Um, can I bail on any of these commitments to stop failing my classes? Uh-oh. Six two two ten. 210. Um, senior in college, playing on school club rugby team and acting in a student-run play. Each of these consumes 15 to 20 hours per week. I'm busy every weeknight training or rehearsing. I play games on Saturday, so I'm mentally distracted all day. I have rehearsal Sundays from one to five. These are great experiences, but I have the risk of failing all four of my classes right now. I have two hard engineering classes, one intro history class and one business class. I can't fail any classes if I want to graduate on time in May. I'm also trying to secure a job on top of this. Are you hiring? We're not. So we just eliminated that distraction for you. Uh, I'm considering bailing on one of these commitments and I'm hoping for some advice. I've played rugby all through college playoff start this weekend. There's a backup. Who's not bad. Uh, my best friends are on the team. It would suck to abandon them, but I've lost my love for the game. We're going to win our playoffs. So probably one month left. Oh, so they're going to win the whole thing. The acting club is totally new for me and I'm not really friends with anyone else. At the club. The problem is they would have no one else to play my role, which is a supporting character in about one third of the scenes. The show is in three weeks. <laughs> I could probably rip some Adderall, stop having free time and make everything work together, but that sounds terrible. Should I drop any of these commitments or start skipping practices or something? Should I tank my GPA? Well, should I just suck it up and manage my time better? I've been trying to do it all for two months and it's not working. Um, I mean, look, I I think there's always a way you could figure it out. I'd imagine you're probably not being entirely truthful that there's probably some other stuff that you're doing. Um, You know, the engineering classes. Th- that's a really good excuse cuz anybody that's ever been in the engineering school uh I have a couple friends that were former engineering students because they were like all right this is a disaster I'm out of here um the best advice I could give you if you actually are failing four classes I would go to the professors and start the process now cuz I mean you only have like another month and a half here if that to figure out how to get these grades up so I would go to all of them and tell them hey look i tried to do a bunch of extra stuff this year it's not because i'm screwing around although you know again you might be or not you're probably not going to admit it um i overextended myself these classes have been tough i need to get caught up what can i do like make make the effort because i've always thought professors are usually pretty good with this stuff not all but most are make the effort to like make that connection with them now so that Um, not they're going to change your grade for you or something like that. But so when you can go to them at the end of the end of the semester being like, Hey, this is where I need to be. Like, what can I do here? You know, whether it's going to be extra work or something like that, because you don't want to fail the classes and then, you know, tank your GPA and then graduate. Nobody's going to be joining that deal. I'm sure parents aren't going to be psyched about that either. Um, It sounds like you could quit rugby. Really? You know, the, the leaving the, like, you know, Bailing on anything when they're expecting you. But, I mean, is it that big of a deal if you don't like playing anymore and you're still going to be friends with these guys in the rugby team and you said they're going to win the playoff without you? Um,
3: is he worried about not getting a ring?
0: That's
3: what it sounds like. No,
0: probably guys get, get a ring. Yeah, he probably would still get a ring. Um, you know, I like that you're trying to do these other things, honestly. You know, good for you. But I would, I would also add that uh, that one seems like an easier, based on the way you described it, It'd be easier to quit that one than the play. Like the show's in three weeks and you've been rehearsing with these guys and you're in a third of the scene. So you have a major role in this. Although And there's I don't no know. backup. Is <laughs> there in. is there really no backup? There's no backup. They would hate you. That's pretty funny.
3: That's a dick if move. I, I would not advocate doing that.
0: No, but you gotta figure out a way to not fail these classes, man. So, you know, to just say, hey, Do a better job with your time which you could but you haven't um but i would i would i would talk to the four professors now i would talk to them this week and plant the seed in their head that hey i'm struggling i got to turn this around i'm quitting some extra stuff here and and i'm going to lock in and they're going to be like all right maybe maybe not but you never know like there's a human element to that when you make that connection with the professor and you're struggling which is way better than when you go to them at the end of the semester and you're like hey i got a 59 like, all right, well, you never said anything to me the entire time you were in the class. So um, that's, that's the best advice I could give you because I don't know what your time deal is. I, I don't think it's impossible for you to take classes, not fail them, and have two extracurricular things here like you're in Rushmore. But, uh, you know, the kid in Rushmore had a hard time with his grades, too. He was in a lot of clubs, though. A lot of clubs. Beekeepers, <laughs> young aviators, all sorts of stuff.
2: Kyle? Kyle? I got an idea, quit everything, how about that? Quit it all, quit it all, and then go to the library, eat your fucking sandwiches in the library, just like, spend the time in the library. Quit Quitting because of grades is a, an actual amazing excuse. I actually quit rugby uh, using a combination of grades and, uh, ow, that really fucking hurt. And, um, <laughs> and then also I quit when my freshman and both, semesters my freshman year and one of my sophomore semesters I basically like faked um, rush I didn't fake rush like it was just uh these ones these fraternities recording me and I just kept saying for three semesters in a row it's like you know I want to my grades are just crazy right now and I don't think I just don't think I could I could and everyone's like all right dude we get it like so um I think that's I think everybody would understand. I think uh he says that there's no love lost with the game of rugby and he really doesn't know or care about anybody in the play other than that it would just be it would just suck. But like it would suck worse to fail your classes and it'd be great to just spend have all the time possible that you deem necessary to devote to um turning your classes around because I've been there and it's crazy. And it's actually wild what being able to focus in the library can do for you. So I don't know why you're failing. I don't know if you suck at writing essays or if you can't retain any information or you're missing classes or you suck at taking tests. But if it's something that you can fix in the library, I would just, I would just literally spend all the time that you can possibly put in the library and fuck everything else because it sucks if you're gonna have to come back when no one's there. Or or just for another semester, you're gonna feel like shit. And whoever's paying for college, whether it's you, your parents or a combination of you, your parents in the state, it's gonna feel like shit. So Wow,
0: Kyle just brought the hammer down, get in the library, quit everything.
3: Yeah, but I feel like Kyle's not afraid, like, you're letting so many people down, especially in the play in that situation, you know, like, you're gonna be a dick. Are you okay with being a dick?
2: Yeah, are you going to let yourself down? Are yeah. you letting yourself down and like, oh yeah, I know what you're I, just, saying. I failed all my classes because I had a fucking play and I just couldn't couldn't figure out the rest of it. It's like you don't care about these people. You're probably it sounds like you're not even going to hang out with them uh after the play either. So ever What in the fuck, dude? Go fix your fix your life, man.
0: All right. We gave I think it's fair. gave it's that fair. gave that guy a lot to chew on.
2: But then you don't have to worry about like, oh yeah, well, I let my rugby guys down, but I didn't, at least I have this or it's like, you're just like, listen, everybody got the ax across the board because I'm working on me. This is me time.
3: That is a good so, theme in 2021 though. Like, If you say, hey, I got, I, I got to count on me. I got to do me. Then I feel like people are going to let you get away with that more now than they ever have before.
0: It's a fair point. It's a fair point. Um, all right, that'll do it for today's podcast. Thank you to Kyle and Steve, Spotify Ringer. Please subscribe. We'll be back on Wednesday.